Hey everybody, Brad Stevens here, founder and CEO of Outsource Access. We help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the Philippines. Congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 Real Leaders Impact Awards. We are proud to be among you. About 10 years ago, I woke up to a major growth problem in my last business. Cash was tight, staff was overwhelmed, and tasks were not getting done. Then I discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the Philippines where English is their second language, so there is no communication or culture gap. I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit RedefineScale.com. That's RedefineScale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, she sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Three, two, and one. And welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and joining us today, folks, We've got a great one today. We've got the founder and CEO of 4G Capital. Please welcome Mr. Wayne Hennessy Barrett. Wayne, a pleasure being with you today. Great to be here tonight, Kevin, and it's a real honor. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to have you on the show and also your company has been awarded the uh, Reelers Impact Awards 2023. Excited to have 4G Capital back on this impressive list of impact companies today. Wayne, and my question to you evolves around impact, and simply it is, what does impact mean to you? It's a, it's a really important question, and it's a very, very much used word. Um, in, in many ways, it's a pretty aspirational word. I guess uh, we're just trying to make, really make a difference. You know, um, we're, we're trying to solve a really big problem for our customers, which is access to working capital and financial literacy in a way that is accessible for them that helps them to escape poverty so we're, we're trying to use our business which is very much a you know for-profit sustainable business to to change people's lives and to democratize wealth wealth creation you know which which is it's tough anywhere and it's particularly challenging in ways in emerging markets so I guess impact is just making a difference and being effective. It makes a lot of sense to me. Now, for those listening to this episode, they come across it for the first time. You know, they're like, they might be a little confused, like capitalism, helping people out. What is this nonsense? Is this, is this legal? Can we do something like this? And a lot of folks don't know, Wayne, that real leaders really started out of a story uh, when we came across a concept by Professor Muhammad Yunus using the power of microfinance to lift people out of poverty, providing them loans where otherwise maybe they wouldn't be provided a loan. Maybe they didn't have an identity. Maybe they were immigrants in the organization. They were unbanked. They were unidentified. Help me understand a little bit about the origins of 4G Capital. Walk us through the thinking behind this concept. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think, you know, it cuts to, um, I guess I've got a, a pretty atypical backstory. You know, I, I, I wasn't an MBA. I, I didn't do business. You know, it's my first career. I was a 
very much a public sector guy. I was uh, in a vocational career. I was a professional army officer for, for the first 17 years after I graduated university. I studied politics and international relations because I was very engaged with, you know, what was going wrong with the world. The Cold War was ending. Uh, the civil war in Yugoslavia was raging. You could just see there was a lot of injustice and, and things like that around. And I wanted to be part of you know, helping to to make things better uh, in that in that sense. And, um, you know, I, I, I served in lots of funny places around the world. And, and then you know, it, it did come to me that um, really what people needed was access to uh, the way to make a living in a fair and equitable way. They didn't really need more war or guns or violence. I mean, there's a always a very important role for security and for for keeping societies, um, you know, peaceful and and, and just. Um, but what people really need is a better future, and that means the ability to to earn and to make money for yourself and your family and to grow communities that way. And I, I spent a lot of time, you know, in very distressed communities uh, in the Middle East and in the Balkans and elsewhere. And so when I left the army and I went into into you know business, I was kind of trying to find something that would allow me to con, you know, continue, I guess, you know, to do something that made a difference um, that I could I could be proud of and, and, and live with, but would also provide for my family. And I was very lucky. I was offered a job by um, a, uh, a company that, that was setting up uh, financial services in Africa in a number of different African countries. And so I was um, told, right, go set up an unsecured lending business in, in Kenya. And I thought, well, you know, there's a massive opportunity here. Um, it's an extremely entrepreneurial place. And I just, I came in really, you know, with, with very open eyes and open heart, not being a subject matter expert in this at all, but I guess being very uh, drawn to functional problem solving. And so I had enormous latitude to, to, to just design something from, from, from ground zero and to, to really provide the small working capital loans. And, and then we learned to blend it with training and knowledge. So the customer could use that credit to buy inventory, sell it, make a healthy product, you know, profit, keep records better, et cetera. Um, but I guess I, I, uh, I, I don't want to use the word anger, but I do want to use the word passion. You know, uh, I, I, I've always been, been pretty motivated by, by, by when things just aren't done well when people are um, taken advantage of uh, and and that happens a lot everywhere um, and so if you've got the opportunity to just do things right whether it's looking after your employees looking after your customers well then that's an enormous privilege and then so from that job uh, I, I had the opportunity to to lead a management buyout and, and, and spin the business out and you know so we, we started operations in 2013 the, the management buyout was 2015 so about 18 months later um, completely bootstrapped it for the next year or so um and uh you know just pushed on um then 2016 we raised some capital and then we started growing and um i guess that kind of mission focus that desire to to you know do things well you know professionally well and 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 ethically well i guess that's in our dna and and i've been blessed with amazing people to work with um, you know, really amazing people. My you know, incredible team in Kenya, incredible team in Uganda, and 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 they really are the story, and the customers really are the story. I've, I'm 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 just the enabler, to be honest. It, it's an amazing like trajectory or just career path that you've been on, uh, which is very atypical, and obviously a lot of courage to take on something where you're completely uh, you have no experience in, but you did have the will, you had the grit, you had the determination to kind of carry this this forward and see this through. Before we talk about the stories of the customers, which you fully have attributed this to and the success of, I do want to learn a little bit more about kind of that origin story to kind of like how you got here. Take me back to like the army days, the military, that's got to have an impact on you. What were some of those key lessons you learned from being, you know, in this, this behemoth of a system? Yeah, uh, golly, where to start, where to start? Um... You know, it, 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 it is the most extraordinary adventure, I guess, for any young man or woman to to be able to serve your country. And I, I mean that quite sincerely. Um, the, the military is wonderful, and particularly the infantry where, where, where I, I was part. The, so the, 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 the dismounted close combat arm of, 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 of the army. Um, 
you have an enormous amount of responsibility at a very early age. You know, you, you spend a year or so being trained as an officer uh, just to, to be able to, you know, have the basic command tools to make plans, to be integrated in a large organization, to understand the, the culture from, from the most basic uh, level. And then another six arms, you know, six months learning how to do your job, whether you're an infantryman or an armor person or an engineer or artillery or whatever. So you, you sort of, you know, begin your professional technical journey. And then you are, you know, in charge of, um, you know, 30, 30 young men and women. And the person that you rely on most, your, um, your platoon sergeant is inevitably older than you, much more experienced than you, knows everything much better than you. And yet you're the boss. So you are put in this position where you might have the technical authority, but if you don't listen and if you don't make the use of the fantastic talent that you have been entrusted with, you're going to fail and you're going to fail ugly and you're going to fail horribly um, and, and it'll sting. And I was very, very fortunate that I, you know, I, I, I loved the guys that I was working with. Um, I had a great team and, and, um, you know, I, I guess they, they, they were able to forgive, you know, my, my, my early errors and, um, and the fact that they could see that I was committed to the team, you know, meant that we got on pretty well. And, um, and that was wonderful. Um, and so you, you learn from a very early stage that it really is not about you. Um, and I guess that is something that I think is, uh, often forgotten when we're talking about leadership and, you know, kind of inspiring figures and you know huge visions and you know, getting up at four in the morning and meditating for an hour and then a massive workout and then you know writing some you know huge tract great but it's not about you it's about your team it's about your mission and it's about getting the best out of people by by unlocking the power within the group rather than trying to exercise power over the group and so you know i guess i'll, I'll, I'll sort of pause um the, the the learning journey of doing that in very you know small teams you know leading you know a, you know twelve person patrol out in a patrol base in Bosnia in the mountains somewhere you know sort of looking for you know war crimes evidence or something like that through to I guess um, you know working on the headquarters staff of a division in Iraq where we're coordinating you know, sort of 20,000 people and then working in the British Ministry of Defense at the policy level. Um, and then you know, my, my, my final job was as second in command or the executive officer in American parlance of my, of my battalion. So you had you know, 650 elite soldiers who you know, had to be really well coordinated, have their training programmed, and you had to fit within the intent of your chain of command in order to be capable of delivering the strategic effect your country needs whenever need, whenever possible. There's a lot of common themes that run through that, but very different approaches that are required depending on the context you're operating in, whether the managerial context or the operating context. So it was, a, it was the most extraordinary privilege to have those experiences. And, and I, I hope you know, that they, they helped me do my job better today. Well, it's a really interesting background and backstory, which I think, you know, makes a lot of sense for who you are and how you kind of see your company and its role in the world. And, you know, speaking with lots of investors, they'll tell you, I mean, they look for people who have been in the military because they have that discipline. Maybe, maybe they have a decentralized command put in where it's selfless. It's all around a mission, a team goal. What are some of those key takeaways? If you could like expand on those a little bit in terms of how, you empower others in your staff uh, to make sure that everyone's geared toward toward this mission. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think um, you know what are those good takeaways, and and, and uh, you know we, we should be very humble about this. These are not unique to the military. You know, you'll get a lot of the same language is being used by by people who've been very successful in other other industries. So you know, I, I want to kind of marry this to the universality of, 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 of impact and, and, and good businesses. But I guess the first thing is clarity of purpose, you know, having a clear mission that's understood from the top to the bottom of the organization. So at, at 4G Capital, our mission is to grow business with capital and knowledge. And that's the first thing on our board report. That's the sign that is in every 
unit location. You know, we're in 172 locations across Kenya, another 20 in Uganda, and, and that's there for everyone to see. That is what we do. So all of your activity has to deliver that mission. If you're not contributing to your customer's success, to them growing through capital, we give them loans and knowledge, we give them enterprise training, then, then you know, you're actually doing something wrong or something that's not contributing. So that clarity of purpose, then, um, you know, I think we all need authenticity. You know, that's something I really require from all my, you know, some leaders in, 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 in the organization. And I, this is a standard I try to you know, hold myself to. If you're not being you, if you're not being sincere, if you're not operating with integrity, then you're, you're, you're building a house for cards. And, and that's not going to be strong enough to withstand, you know, all the things the world is going to throw at us. Um, you've got to be competent. You've got to know what you're doing. So we invest a lot in training our staff so that they know standard operating procedures. That makes things scalable. If somebody has to move from one branch in Nairobi and go up country to um, Eldoret or to the coast or indeed move across to you know Kampala, it's not unlike a McDonald's franchise where there's the same checklist and the same layout and the same way of um, doing things. And that's something I got from you know when I had four armored fighting vehicles in Bosnia and I insisted on every turret being loaded the same way because that meant if a vehicle broke down or you had to move people around or you took casualties, you'd always know where to find the ammunition or the radio batteries or, you know, the spare light bulbs or your spare socks or whatever it happened to be. And, and that doesn't happen on its own because people like doing things their own way. They like being idiosyncratic. They find habits and customs which, you know, they're comfortable with. And, and that, you know, change and collaboration is hard. You know, and, and you can't just bang the table and be you know, uh, dictatorial. You've got to get people to understand the reasoning behind a purpose. Um, and I guess that speaks to the need for empathy because you know, we, we, we operate primarily through emotion. We all like to think ourselves as high rational, you know, sort of compartmentalized thinkers. There's a reason why our bodies and minds are wired together the way that they are. And, and, you know, our lizard brains have evolved over the last 400,000 years or whatever to keep us alive. And, and threat detectors and uh, responses to stimuli, very well honed. And, and you've got to respect that. And so that talks to how you communicate and how you understand how your counterparty is feeling, whether it's a customer or whether it's a member of staff who you're trying to coach toward better performance, or whether it's an investor who you're trying to explain that what you're doing really matters to you personally. and and that actually your business strategy is your business's strategy. And, and you have to have the moral courage to say, well, this is what we're doing. And maybe we're not for you, no matter how much you need the money at the time. You know, and that's that's difficult for entrepreneurs when you know you're trying to raise capital to, to just survive sometimes. And I guess that takes you through to the fourth point that I, I feel about, which is just endurance and grit. You know, this, this is not easy. It's not easy at all. Um, you know, I don't think there is an easy way to make money. Um, and I think that uh, doing the right thing will instantly put you into conflict with a lot of, um, you know, spinning variables where, where for very human un understandable reasons, people are trying to prioritize a quick win or a, a faster gain. Uh, and, and actually that, that, that can make things fall apart. So, you know, this is, it's not easy and you've got to have the grit and the determination, um, but also the, the ability to self-regulate look after yourself, look after your people in order to keep on, on the mission. So I hope that makes sense. I hope it's not too much of a ramble. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and a nice kind of transition to like the early stages of this organization. I just would like you to you know, share a story just with our audience real quick, because, you know, for you to be able to speak about these main principles, you've had to have a lot of experience. And some of those experiences haven't been so pleasant, right? That's what's built you a lot of grit. Of determination to, to carry on to these things. Walk me through in our audience through listening to this, one of those earlier memories that come to mind, you know, almost made you pull the plug, almost made you quit, almost made you not want to do this anymore. Uh, the reason I'm smiling is that um, you've played to me my my um, my most unpleasant question I ask any any job candidate who I'm hiring for. And so when, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm hiring somebody, because, you know, we ask a lot of our people, I, the question I always ask at the end of the interview after they've 
been very clever and you know shown their business plan is um what's the hardest thing that's ever happened to you and um how how did it really knock you to your knees and how did you summon the energy to to get back up and and and, and go forward and if they say uh, yeah stacking cans and they all fell down then you know this guy probably isn't for us because they're not able to speak authentically um so i'm 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 both honored and amused and I, I guess you know i hope i can rise to the challenge now that i i have that question so um yeah toughest toughest experience um yeah authenticity and transparency 2009 um i uh i was doing a very demanding uh job in a headquarters that is basically the uk equivalent of centcom for our american listeners so the 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 op headquarters that runs all uk overseas operations so we had you know a war in afghanistan we had a war in iraq we had counter piracy off the somali coast we had counter-terrorism teams all around the world there was you know what the navy was doing with all its deterrence and all that kind of stuff a busy busy job i'd be at my desk for 7 6 45 in the morning i leave at 9 9 30 at night kind of you know hedge fund hours not hedge fund pay um and uh but the most fascinating fascinating job i mean it was like an episode of 24 you know many times it was absolutely extraordinary privilege um dur during that time uh my this is 2009 my my mother was diagnosed with cancer um, and so I had to kind of juggle that job and look after her um, and her sort of end of life journey. I guess that was that was how I saw my job to sort of project manage that. Um, and um, she and my father had divorced about you know, God, 20 years earlier, longer, 25. And so um, as 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 she was, you know, sort of preparing to, to kind of pass on my I, I, I received word from my father from whom I'd not you know, heard much for, for some time. And, um, and he also had been diagnosed with lung cancer and he, he died exactly 10 days before her. And so that was quite a, quite a, a sort of a shock to the system, I suppose. And then my mother passed, you know, very, very gracefully, I suppose. I was extremely grateful for that. Um, and then the day, the day after she, she passed, um, my regiment was back in Afghanistan um, and whilst I was doing this headquarters job and uh, one of one of my former soldiers stepped on an IED um, mm. as they were uh, trained to zero their weapons and, and five five men were very seriously uh, killed uh, sorry very seriously wounded and, and, and one killed um, and so that sort of succession of 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 of, uh, of blows was was um, you know, quite quite stretching I guess um and you know 2009 was an extraordinary year i think i went to about 15 funerals that year um over, over the course of it whilst you know sort of doing doing this quite quite demanding job and and, and managing the family sort of uh, transition so um i project managed it i you know i just realized my, my job was to be a good son to my mother on the way out um it was an opportunity to say farewell to my father who i'd not seen for some time um it was an opportunity to be you know, uh, to, to do my duty as an officer in the Coldstream Guards and to to go to, to, to the, the funerals that I needed to go to and to, uh, you know, be, be you know, part of our, our, our community uh, to the best of my ability. Um, and, um, and that sort of helped me get through that. So that was, that was a good, that was a good stretch experience, I guess, over a protracted period of time absolutely a very tough stretch to go through and certainly something that you haven't forgotten and has left a profound impact on you i'm curious wayne in your experience when difficult situations arise in in your business or even outside your business and maybe having an impact on your business how do you cope how do you manage with those situations do you find yourself kind of ignoring them compartmentalizing them and maybe they come out later in other different ways or how do you kind of deal with those um difficult stretches and, and situations in your business yeah it's a great question um i guess um you 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 develop resilience as almost like a muscle memory so when, when you've been through some quite trying times you you know that you know you get through them and so you know that the world is going to turn so there's a degree of 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 sort of um of, of perspective 
But that said, it doesn't make the problem any less acute. You know, 2020 was an extremely tough year for everybody um, around the world. It was horrendous. You know, the, the, the economy of the globe almost stopped. And so, you know, challenges in that year as, as, as well. I guess um, coping mechanisms um, are really uh, to, to, to have the ability to, to uh, pull back from your immediate emotional reaction, although I've just spoken about the power of emotional, but, you know, to, to acknowledge those feelings, then to pull back and look at what's the big picture, what, establish the facts, um, and and try to get as much of an understanding of the situation, whatever it might be, before you then formulate a response. Um, and then it's extremely important, I think, to 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 have your own sort of personal council of war, your 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 own band of trusted advisors. You know, in my case, my wife, um, my my ex co are fantastic, my board are fantastic. I've got an amazing network of friends. So you know, don't make a decision alone. It's very, very important to 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 have that sort of mechanism for decision making and for for even just just dividing which way is up when things go, you know, when when things go badly, um, so that you can just you know reorientate, breathe, divine a plan of action, and then start working at how you're going to make that plan a reality. What resources do you need? What orders do you need to give? What communications do you need to make? Um, what help do you need to ask for? What don't you know and what do you have to find out? So, so you can start kind of putting together a response plan. And then, you know, that, I guess that's a bit boring and technical. Um, how, how do you handle it personally? You know, exercise, meditation, prayer, carving out alone time, um, and, uh, and, and just keep smiling, really. You know, just keep smiling because the world's going to turn. Absolutely. And, and that, that ability to detach, I think, is... A unique trait that not a lot of people are able to do, especially if something as stressful as a death in the family has happened and you're able to show up at work, you know, and still carry out and make decisions, you know, they're very important for the, the director of the company. I think that that's uh, a unique skill that you certainly uh, have expressed on this show. We're kind of at a point now where people are kind of listening. It's like, wow, you know, this Wayne guy seems very interesting, but I don't really know what his business does. Like, help me understand a little bit more about the model of 4G Capital, help help listeners out there understand how are you an imp- how are you an impact company and, and what your growth has been like over these past few years. Yeah, sure. Thank you, thank you. So it, we we are a digital micro lender. It's it's digital microfinance. So you know, familiar concept with many of our listeners. Um, we provide completely unsecured working capital loans between fifty and a thousand dollars between uh, you know a week and, and 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 a month to these very fast cycling high velocity businesses. And we're able to do that using mobile money. There's no cash, so we're very blessed in Kenya, Uganda, with M-Pesa, uh, which you know kind of people are familiar with now. But for people who haven't heard of M-Pesa, M-Pesa is money by SMS. So if you imagine you're sending a text message, and I send you you know a, a, an amount, it'll deduct it from my electronic wallet, which is part of my phone, and and the cash will be. Uh, or rather the digital cash will be taken from my account and put into yours. And it, it's a, quite old technology now. It's about 10, 11 years old or so. Um, but it transformed financial inclusion in many ways in, in, in East Africa. And so that is uh, what we do. But we don't just provide the loans. We provide enterprise training so the customer can run a better business. So we have a progressive syllabus of micro lessons which are delivered in a really absorbable way um, our customers lives are very hard they are self-employed african traders they're selling potatoes yams bananas they're um people you know sorting livestock and selling leather and and, and animal goods they they sell iphones they sell um you know con- consumer electronics clothing you know you name it the very very thriving vibrant markets which which um, populate, you know, very, very busy rural and urban, you know, villages, towns uh, around emerging markets in the world. Um, very many universal traits between Latin America or Southeast Asia or, you know, sub-Saharan Africa or, you know, wherever. So, so all these, these businesses, very, very small businesses need access to capital to buy stuff to sell. And so that is what we do. Um, it's not consumer finance. 
we're not providing you a loan to buy a sofa or a TV or anything like that. Other people do that, and that's absolutely fine. Um, we're not a bank. We don't take your deposits. Other people do that, so we don't compete with the banks. We we actually collaborate with banks. We receive our, our much of our debt funding from from banks in in, in our markets. We have an amazing uh, partnership with Citibank, um, uh, which uh, which came to fruition in 2020, which really helped us get through COVID. Great, uh, you know, great, great, great collaboration with Cooperative Bank, and we're looking at um, other banking partnerships in, in the near future in Kenya. So so we work as part of the of the of the formal economy to help the informal econ economy build escape poverty and and be on this pathway to formality to 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 access better lives to be part of you know an integrated society and so i guess the first part of my answer is how we make money we lend money and we you know we, we get repaid at very high repayment rates like 95 97 percent repayment rates on time for completely unsecured and you know we'll lend the same dollar you know sort of 11 15 times over the course of a year so very very capital efficient we'll we'll, we'll lend about 200 million dollars this year um and you know we've been you know uh ebitda positive for, for a number of years now um and that, that's 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 a great way to do business because it makes it sustainable it makes it uh transparent it means we're not relying on donor funding um but our impact results are you know really some of the best in the microfinance world we we have a net promoter score sort of flickering between sort of 55 and 60 which is amazing um we have 85 percent repeat customers we have 88 percent women customers we have 75 percent rural customers 40 percent youth so we're reaching the people who are so underserved but who we know through the way that we onboard them we underwrite and we use technology combined with relationship officers to provide this hybrid uh, way of reaching into these communities um, that makes for a very very high fidelity loan book um, increasingly scalable as we um, work with with channel partners distributors and, and and international and local brands so that they can start selling on credit um and and that really is how we're, we're planning to move forward so it's it you know, the, the model we are a lending company we make our money from lending we deliver our impact by our absolute commitment to customer success and the delivery of that i mean you're, you're transforming lives with your business you know and, and some of the world's greatest problems are sometimes the world's greatest opportunities and wayne you know we have an audience here in the united states who don't really understand you know why doesn't that person at the flea market have a bank already you know why isn't that personal flea market aren't they able to go get and get a loan to get some equipment or something for the business help our viewers understand a little bit more about your customers what the need is uh, how difficult it is to get access to this capital and also like what they spend the capital on. I think that might be helpful. Yeah, great question. And and actually, this is my favorite subject because it's my customers, you know, our customers, I should say. Um, so our, our customers are the self-employed flea market traders, great way to describe them. And they will be sitting on anywhere between, you know, fifty to $5,000 worth of inventory, you know, quite, quite, quite often. Um, and they'll be selling it very quickly at this fast velocity, you know, consumable, um, perishable ag products and, and other fast moving consumer goods. Um, in emerging markets like Kenya and Uganda and other, other, other you know, southern hemisphere countries, um, the, 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 the national infrastructure is still work in progress. So there is a very limited amount of data available you know there aren't uh salary uh records because they're self-employed um their educational records will be you know bits of paper at best nothing it will be really digitized um they won't have a record of utility bills because they'll get their heating from um a kerosene heater or a charcoal stove or they'll go and collect wood or a relative will do those things whilst they're out working um in you know living in corrugated iron huts um and and you know breeze block uh you know walls and stuff like that um so so the the ability to apply conventional financial services is challenging 
But, and, you know, one has to remember what banks are for. Banks are there to take deposits and to hold them safely. It's not their job to do high-risk venture lending. And so, so a lot of these people are referred to as unbanked. It's not entirely accurate. Many of them can open a bank account, but they'll only be able to take a loan against the savings and the collateral that sure. they have put in the bank. Right. So not the best use of money to give them your savings, then borrow and then have to pay interest when you could just as effectively use your own money. And so this is kind of chicken egg scenario. Um, so that's one part of the story. The next part of the story, I guess, is what, what credit is available. And you know, there are always loan sharks. There are always predatory lenders who lend at very, very high rates informally or, or what have you. Um, and um, you know, that, that, that can be really quite an unattractive industry. And so not configured around growth or client success, configured about you know, something just getting lend as much as you can, collect it back or else. So that, that's kind of been the traditional story, which uh, Dr. You know, Eunice uh, um, you know, helped to challenge all those years ago and which begat in so many ways the financial inclusion industry. So our, our customers need working capital. They, they often will have very, very profitable micro businesses. You know, you'll buy bananas at 12 cents a pound, you'll sell them at 63 cents a pound, it's a 425% markup and making out like a bandit. If you got $100 to go and buy those bananas at four in the morning from the wholesaler when they're good and the price point is there and they don't get more expensive over the course of the day because they get more scarce. So if you can hustle and make that happen and someone can help you can do that, then you're going to repay them. And the cost of that loan, namely our loan, is going to be really you know negligible compared to the markup that you can make and the profit that you can book. And so what we you know, exist to do is allow these businesses to buy their inventory using our credit line so that they can save the profits that they make, and then they can start accessing a better life, better schools for their kids, better food, water, energy, you know, that kind of thing. So our customers' lives are hard, but they are extremely capable business people. They are very ambitious, they're aspirational, they don't see themselves as poor and they might be low income they're not poor of spirit they're extremely extremely resilient very positive it is the most inspiring thing you can do to walk the markets and i invite any listener to please come and visit us in kenya or nairobi and just take a look at the energy and the potential that we are serving every day because this is the future of the planet you know a quarter of the population is going to be african before too long and the growth opportunities for global investment absolutely lie within the continent of Africa, as well as other emerging markets. And I would strongly give a shout out to Kenya and Uganda as, as investment destinations. So, so it's an amazing uh, opportunity. And the challenges uh, that I've described um, really shape the opportunity. If you can give people goods and services in a digestible format that works for them, then you know, you're going to do very well and you're going to make a really positive change. It's very helpful, Wayne. So thank you so much for explaining that. Um, you know, I'm curious to know, though, based on your model, especially everything that's happening right now with this looming recession and interest rates rising, what dictates your customers' interest rate? Um, well, what, what, what we charge our customers, you mean? What dict so yes, what do you, do you charge, uh, customers individual interest rates and what is that dictated on? Is it on, on the Kenyan, uh, federal rate? Is it on a uh, Citibank's rate? Like, uh, how does that work? Yeah. Great, great, great questions. Great questions. So, um, interestingly, and this is very important again for, for, for us and Western, uh, listeners, um, by global standards, Kenya's inflation is really, uh, quite modest, actually, given, given where the, 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 the global economy is. Um, the cost of capital is high. Um, I think the, um, and I hope this is still in date by the time the, the podcast goes out, but I think the base rate is kind of, you know, 12, 13% thereabouts, the central bank rate. Um, and so um, treasury bills will be, be, you know, sort of gusting mid-teens, um, for for completely guaranteed returns, so commercial paper and you know commercial 
local debt is going to be high teens, low twenties. So it's expensive. Capital is really, really expensive. And then if you're an unsecured lender, then then you know well, we we build a great credit history now, and so we're we're able to 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 get some really good financing, uh, which is which is wonderful. But um, you know, interest rates to begin with are. Well, to my mind, they're far too high, but they're high for the reasons I just described. Okay. So then, then if you map onto that um, unsecured lending, you know, no collateral, if one of my customers defaults, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go and confiscate their chickens or, 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 or a load of potatoes or something like that. That A, it doesn't work. B, it doesn't help. C, it's probably the wrong thing to do. And D, why have they defaulted? Why did you lend to somebody who wasn't able to repay the loan? So, sure. you know, we we our commitment to customer success is what gives us the really high repayment rates, yeah. and and so so that that you know, being ethical, being a B corporation, I think we're one of the highest scoring financial services B corps on the planet, which is it is great, but you know, the point I'm trying to get across is that we're not leaving money on the table by being impacted. We're making more money and we're a better business because we're a B Corp, because we're customer focused, because we don't go for a smash and grab. That means our customers come back to us. It means they love us. They came back to us throughout COVID. We kept lending to them throughout COVID. We kept looking after them. We dropped our prices by 10% during COVID. Um, and, and that saw us through to an amazing 2021, a fantastic Series C investment. So, so sorry, coming back to answer your question, um, we price according to the risk of each particular customer, and that's calculated by a very good uh, AI machine learning evaluation algorithm that we use called EVA evaluation algorithm. It's also the name of my ten-year-old daughter, um, and 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 that will 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 provide a, a risk band for uh, that customer based on a ton of um, things which we have uh, learnt over the last ten years. Um, and over time, as a customer reduces their risk by being a good repair, that price goes down. So it's it's not really revolutionary. I think it's kind of standard, but it's easier said than done. Wayne, you have an interesting story. You started from someone in the military who used you, in your words, virtually no experience. You go into this space. Did you ever think, you know, you'd be here today? I mean, did you ever think that? You know, you'd be giving us a lecture on, you know, interest rates in Kenya and how it's impacting local businesses and flea markets with a lending rate and talking about integrity and talking about B Corps. Like, did you ever think you'd be here? I I, I could always see myself talking too much. I think that's always a sin uh, that I possess. Um, but no, this is, uh, it has been a wild, wild ride. Um, yeah, I, I, I was a pretty committed career officer. Um, and then you know uh, I got everything I, I I wanted to out of out of the military. I, I went to these places and you know I was able to you know achieve what I wanted to achieve. And and it has been an enormous adventure. So yeah, I, I pinch myself every day and I give thanks you know to God every day um, and to the universe and to all the wonderful people who who I am honoured to serve to to you know to make this happen. Um, I didn't didn't see this coming. And when you were at the beginning of the year, what's the what's the mindset going into this year in terms of your growth and what you want to do in the world? Yeah, um, I think it's uh, just beat the storm. Mm. I think just, uh, you know, just head down, push through the wind um, and um, grow. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're deploying a complete tech system upgrade this quarter. That will be revolutionary. We will be able to field multiple different products um, and be able to address a much larger total addressable market. So this month we're putting out uh, pilots for school fee loans. So our customers can pay their kids school fees much more uh, cheaply, you know, less less stressfully than is their current situation, um, and and that we hope will contribute to their overall financial health and well being, as well as you know um, helping invest in the next generation. We're doing uh, green economy uh, financing, so we're providing uh, electrical electric vehicle financing in Kenya and Uganda. We're financing um, green assets. 
Um, so solar powered off-grid irrigation pump systems, partnering with a great uh, uh, brother company, Sun Culture, who is run by Samir Ibrahim, very dear friend of mine. Um, and, and that is extremely exciting because that's helping smallholder farmers to massively increase their productivity. But these you know, bits of kit cost and those people might well not have, those farmers might well not have the cash to hand. We can come in and help, okay? And if that works, then you know, we'll scale that. We're gonna be financing um, eco-fuels to get people off charcoal and carbon emitting fuels so that we're you know, helping Africa leapfrog the uh, uh, carbon legacy challenges that developed countries have encountered over the last couple of hundred years in the same way as Africa's leapfrog telecoms with mobile and all the rest of it. So this is extremely exciting. We're going to be a carbon neutral com company by, by the end of this year. Um, that's really important. So, you know, we're, we're, we're taking the ESG seriously because it makes us a better company. Um, it makes us a much cleaner, better bet for investors. Um, it makes uh, us a much more additive player in the wider economy, as well as just financial inclusion. Um, so uh, we'll also be, be partnering with, with some other big strategics in order to, to bring larger SME loans to market, um, uh, as well as uh, very, very excited uh, uh, about launching our Series D uh, equity round late, later this year um, when when uh, when we've delivered on our, our first wave of, of, of uh, operational objectives, then we'll be ready to, to access greater capital to be able to start taking this into other markets around the world. So, yeah, look, um, the, 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 the so-called base of the pyramid is huge. It is growing. We're talking about a $5 trillion market opportunity globally, $331 billion market uh, opportunity in sub-Saharan Africa alone, 20 billion in Kenya. Okay, so so if if a company like 4G Capital can can provide the delivery mechanism to meet that need sustainably and profitably, which we do, then this is something that has to keep growing because that's where the mission takes us. And so we're we're very excited about this year. Incredible. And Wayne, with so many things going on, how do you stay prioritized? How do you make sure that you are uh, taking care of things one at a time? Yeah, um, yeah, you know, you, you get by with a little help from your friends, I guess. You know, you, you just use the team. You don't try to do it all yourself. Um, you know, I've got a fantastic COO uh, in, in, in Nairobi, uh, Roseanne, an amazing Kenyan uh, professional uh, who is um, remarkably talented. We've got a tremendous um, senior management team in Kenya and Uganda. Um, and so growing the next generation of talent to bring to bring local management expertise and combined with international talent for the technology uh, elements, um, that helps me to have multiple voices and sources of advice. So we work as a team with a clear priority list and you resource those priorities. So, you know, um, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's not that we, once you know what you're doing and where you're going, it, it, it's, it's not it's not that complicated. The, 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 the discipline is um, being able to assess the eye-catching opportunities and quickly decide whether that's worth looking at or not. Because if you say, no, 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 busy, busy, you could, you could miss something really important. But at the same time, if, if you, know, you, you answer every you know, pitch email or, or every bright idea that comes up, um, then you'll never get anything done. You know, having an idea is the easiest thing in the world. Actually, completing a job is the hardest. So, so I'm just trying to get that balance. Uh, well, Wayne, thank you so much for sharing some insights today on the Really Just Podcast. And Wayne, you know, a lot of uh, you know, impact CEOs are going to hear this and a lot of uh, CEOs around the world are going to read this. What would be the one message you'd want to say to those CEOs? God, just keep going, guys. Keep going. Believe in yourself. And actually, um, uh, bind tight. You know, w w let's work as a community. Uh, we are so much stronger together. You know, the, the, the regenerative economy is here. You know, if, if you're not a B corporation already, you can join the B for Good Leaders, uh, you know, forum, which is uh, an amazing network. We are looking to um, curate 30,000 impact businesses around the world. Um, it was founded by uh, Lane Zevenberg and Marcello Palazzi, 
two amazing European entrepreneurs who brought the B Corp movement from the United States into Europe. And, you know, it is going viral. We have an amazing B Corp lab in Nairobi that we're very honored to, to, to support ourselves. Um, and, you know, that, that is a community, the B for Good Leaders community is, uh, is a way to just be part of, of this movement that uses business as a force for good. And we don't just draw moral energy from each other. I mean, that's lovely, but let's do business together. You know, if you're a provider and somebody else has a need, you know, needs and leads, good YPO rules, you know, let, let's work together and grow because poverty robs ambition. And we need growth to unlock dignity, to unlock peace, to unlock um, confidence and the ability to, you know, look at things as a species instead of spinning off into these horrible little identity silos so that we're actually, you know, working as a planet together. So, so bind tight, be part of the community and keep going. Well put. And Wayne, in all of this, what is your definition of a real leader? Um, I think you just got to make a difference. I think, uh, you've got to, uh, what is a real leader? A real leader takes people where they don't think they can go, but he makes everybody stronger. You all become stronger by the end of it, as opposed to broken. And like, you can achieve the mission and everyone will be dead. Okay. Well done. But, but that's not the game we want to play. We want to climb mountains and then be able to climb the next mountain after that. And so that comes back to, you know, the power of the group, the power of the team. You know, it's uh, a very wonderful man once told me, it's, it's your job not to be the water, it's your job to be the faucet. Okay, so if you can be the, the conduit for the energy and the positivity and the talent, rather than trying to be the source of all strength, then then I think you're on the right track. And that's something I try to do uh, with, with a pretty mixed re results, I'm sure. But but I think it's a good approach. You know, don't Don't try to have all the answers but ask the right questions and let other people work in an environment where, where they can succeed together. For Wayne Hennessy Barrett, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, be a conduit, and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, Real Leaders, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to realleaders.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines courses and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.